That's something that I found found really difficult about sobriety was I didn't want anyone to think that it was about them or anything that they had done or their lifestyle choices because there's no way that I would judge or ever be in a position to judge anyone. It's really just about the individual person that's wanting to make a change for whatever reason that is. Why you gotta I'm Katie Scrafton. In my spare time, I run a sober account. So I share my sober musings and tips for people that want to maybe manage their drinking or are sober curious. I'm an advocate for mental health and talking about mental health on that page because I think that's really important. And we actually went to school together. So we've known each other for quite some time. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Katie has been diarising her journey with a sober curious lifestyle since 2019. By charting her successes and feelings, what she's getting out of it and what she's finding difficult, Katie inspires others. She offers the curious a window into her world and she gives the sober encouragement to keep going. I've been sober since the 1st of August 2017 and it's been one of the most life-changing decisions I've ever made. While Katie has made her journey public to help others, I've already discussed sobriety on my own social media. Sobriety is what I call radical self-care. I don't think we'll change the world on our own. Collective actions, that is, working with others, is in my view what can and does change the world. But I do believe that looking after yourself is a really important part of being an activist, to be strong enough, literally, to fight the system on every front. It's a health issue we should take seriously, with alcohol so embedded into the society we live in and the alcohol industry making huge amounts of profit on our hangovers. Sobriety is just one way to practice radical self-care and to reject capitalist norms. And to anyone struggling with addiction, relapse or recovery in alcohol or drug addiction, please search for services in your area. Katie and I had a similar experience of quitting drinking through self-help, but just as there are different forms of addiction, there are different ways to recover. Helplines, addiction support groups, or 12-step programs are just some examples of more thorough support that is available. If you live in the UK, the NHS website has a directory of addiction services you can search by postcode. We're all different and it's about finding what works for you. This is Future Heist, conversations with people making change. My name is Rena Neve-Smith. So, Katie, <laughs> thanks so much for sitting down with me to talk about this. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. I've am- admired this podcast from afar for a long time. <laughs> so I'm very grateful to be a guest. You did your first 
post on your account the handles things i did sober Mm. so you did your first post on the 9th of august 2019 yeah so i think that i well i know that i'd actually been dabbling with sobriety for a good few months before i started the account and i was really finding my feet in the sober world you know and kind of realized there was this huge community on instagram you know a really welcoming sober and sober curious community and once i started kind of delving into that i thought you know i'm gonna put my message out there because i had learned a lot from you know kind of delving into my own shit basically and kind of thinking about you know the reasons that i drank the reasons that i'd wanted to stop drinking and i thought that message will definitely resonate with somebody else, just like the other accounts had resonated with me. So I think I just thought I'm going to do it and I'm going to get it out there. And I wanted to, the, the reason the handle is things I did sober is because I wanted to keep it really simple and just kind of post about the things that I'd done sober, you know, like not like I went to the supermarket sober because that's quite a, it's quite a standard thing to do sober. But maybe like, I really wanted to start talking about my weekends and my time that I'd spent sober. Let people see that we don't always have to have a drink in our hand, everything that we do. So yeah, that was kind of, that was the birth of things I did sober. What led you into trying sobriety then? A, a multitude of things. It really is a, it is a multitude of things. It's quite a complex kind of, so many layers to wanting to go sober. I mean, a lot of bad hangovers, a lot of really boozy nights and late nights and regret and self-loathing. You know, I giggle about it, but really it, it, it does feel awful at the time when you're going through it. Really wanting to break that cycle of doing that all the time and thinking, I'm really ill, I'm throwing up, I can't move. And having that, you know, anxiety where you've got, you're anxious the next day you know, days after big nights or big weekends and just feeling like I really wanted to make change. I was like, I've done this a lot, you know, I mean, drinking since the age of realistically like 13, 14, you know, that was quite normal. I mean, where we grew up to just start drinking at that age, I'd been in that cycle for years, like well over 15 years and just thought there must be something different that I can do here. I knew that I was a bit all or nothing with alcohol and it, you know, it, it's very, it's something that's very difficult to manage. I don't think that anyone's a bad person for not being able to manage how much they drink because it's highly addictive and, you know, some of it is really fun. It's just often that we all take it to a bit too far and that's the thing with alcohol, isn't it? So I knew I was one of those people. I knew I was susceptible to doing that a lot and yeah, I just wanted to break the cycle break free what i really love about your account is is the way that it focuses like it says in the name things i did sober it really focuses on that initial step that i think you need to take when you do start trying sobriety whether it's like a lifestyle overhaul or just an every now and then thing but it's like the act of doing something sober is so simple and yet it's so profound when you grow up 
like you say mm-hmm. that we did with like teenage drinking and a binge drinking culture that we all kind of grew up with and then going into kind of uni years and that real emphasis on just getting wasted basically do you know what I mean and people think people might say oh well it's obvious you can do things when you're sober but I think we know from our own experience and we know friends who and you know it's people that we love but they can't sort of imagine doing things without a drink being in there somewhere you know yeah go for a walk but then go to the pub afterwards and have a drink and doing things sober is so simple but it's it's definitely like a really important part of the journey and so to what extent do you think that people need to kind of try it out in order to see past the myth I mean certainly for me and I know for a lot of people my weekend would be centered around alcohol so it'd be like well we'll do this but then we'll get a drink so it almost prevents you from being fully present because you're you're doing something and you're not actually letting yourself enjoy it because the the final destination is actually get wasted in the pub i mean it's something i didn't even realize until i started like working on my own you know i, I did a lot of journaling around alcohol and my habits and once i started to delve into that i was like you know whoa i've been in this trap you know this this trap with alcohol that i hadn't been aware of until i'd sort of like taken a step back so yeah that was quite a big realization and then going back to what you said about the smaller steps that is the way that i would suggest people do it is like just start really small start with a really simple win that you can celebrate like it might just be oh you go to your mates and a few other people are drinking, you decide not to drink. I mean, I I know certainly if there's anyone listening that hasn't done it, I know like relating it back to what I felt is like I became very aware of certain things that I maybe hadn't been aware of. I think everyone to a little degree has got a bit of social anxiety. So you can become aware of like, oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable in this situation or I would have used alcohol as a crutch to dissolve whatever I'm feeling in this situation. And it doesn't really do those things. It's just we've convinced ourselves in our minds that it does. So then it becomes, and then that's how the cycle of it being a crutch just carries on. It's just doing something really small and really simple, I would say. Like, you know, like going to a pals or, you know, I mean, the night out is the big one, isn't it? That's the the big one that I think people are nervous that they'll just never be able to master. But it's totally possible. But yeah, I would say start small, fill, fill your weekends with boozeless activities like nice meals, long walk, do a bit of exercise, hang out with a dog. That's always a winner. You don't need to be drunk to hang out with a dog and just start to kind of find joy in life outside of booze. And I think that's what helped me to pull myself out of it was you know, seeing the world without my beer-tinted goggles on. I can so definitely relate to that. You obviously know my twin brother, Niall, who gave up drinking for a couple of years back when we were at uni. I remember at the time, it felt quite radical because that was an age when we were all so self-conscious and we were all chasing that party high and wanting to be popular and liked and everything else that's going on in your early 20s but I remember him talking about how when you go on a night out it's really hard at the beginning of the night because you have that social anxiety 
where you kind of want one, Mm -hmm. but then that fades and you're okay again. And then I would add to that, that there's another point where everyone starts repeating themselves. (laughs) And you know that bit when everyone gets really hammered and you think, actually, I think I'm going to go now. That's uh, that's me done. But actually it's kind of fine because you've got what you needed out of the night and yes everything's fine would you do you oh man totally it's like yeah you've you've got what you want out of the night and I think that's what's a shock you know you're like oh I'm gonna just I think I might head off now I I certainly realized that I didn't stay in situations longer than I perhaps needed to my energy levels felt way less drained than they had done when I was drinking all the time because I was in that cycle and it would be like, I can't just have one. I'll, you know, I'm, I've had five now. And the conversation is good. You, you know, you feel like you're having a really good time. And, and a lot of the time at two, three drinks, you are having a really good time. But it's then it'll be like 10 o'clock. You wanted to go home because you had something big to do the next day. And it'll just escalate. And before you know, it's like 2 a.m. And you're in a cab to Soho. Like, woo! But you know, the next day, it just doesn't feel like it was worth it. And it also wasn't something that you really wanted to do. So I always felt like my energy was really drained. Like I was running on depleted energy all the time. A, because I was hungover all the time, but B, because I wasn't living the way that I wanted to. I'd have an idea in my head and then alcohol would come along and it would have its own plans to make me stay out longer I mean it wasn't alcohol it was me but you know we worked together I would end up just like overstaying places and you know what alcohol does sometimes you overshare or you do something silly or there's all sorts of things that come with being super drunk you end up just like doing your own thing and being quite comfortable it's just like oh well it's 10 p.m now I'm a bit tired I'm gonna head off if I'd had a few drinks I would have been like oh, everyone's going to hate me if I leave early. And it's like, no one really cares. Like everyone's on their own vibe anyway. Sobriety has kind of given me that, I've kind of taken back that kind of power, which is just like, oh, I'm just going to do my own thing. And really like, no one's that bothered. But I feel like we build stuff up in our head that makes us feel that they will be. Which I think is part of the really interesting thing about sobriety in general. And it leads really nicely onto my next question, which is, You know, when I stopped drinking, I noticed a lot of things changed in my life. But what Mm. for you was the biggest change when you started doing things sober? I would say the change in me was one of the biggest things. Certainly in early sobriety, I was really evaluating what was in my life, what served me and what didn't really serve me anymore. It had been a, a gradual process with, you know, stopping taking drugs and then stopping drinking heavily and then getting to a stage where I really could limit my drinking so it was a gradual process but I mean it was I was kind of like grieving for the party girl kind of saying goodbye to that part of my life and and also working out how I could keep some of the things that I loved in my life but do it in this new way now I was sober so how can I go to gigs still and furiously Googling like day parties in London so I wouldn't have to stay up past like 10 p.m. Um, but letting go of certain things that I'd done in my really boozy days and bringing them back in a way that was more fitting with my current lifestyle. So that was a big change. And then naturally, you know, you won't see certain friends that you saw as much if they were big drinkers just because 
you know they'll be in the pub you might want to pop in and say hi but you certainly won't be sat there for like 10 hours like you were previously that's quite a biggie is you know understanding that that people will kind of come and go from your life I think I've been quite lucky in the sense that a lot of my pals even though I might not sit and go on a you know a bender with them now the the love is there and you know they'll always be in my life and I'll be able to see them in other ways but it does kind of tip everything on its head a little bit you're like okay so I've got all this time I'm I feel great I'm not hungover (laughs) but all my mates are in the pub what am I going to do you know it's just trying to it's a lot of self-evaluation I would say a lot of kind of you know walks and really digging digging in deep into your own soul and thinking about this like newfound kind of sense that you've got. It's like, whoa, this is what the world looks like when I'm not hungover and dying every weekend. I think there's a lot of myths about alcoholism and what alcoholism looks like. And people have this cartoon idea that alcoholics are these people in sad bedsits who drink gin at 9am on a Tuesday morning. Do you know what I mean? They don't associate it with, you know, just normal everyday life. And of course there are people who unfortunately find themselves in really extreme situations and their life really is dictated by alcohol and it, it can get to a very serious stage. But I think that alcoholism has a lot of different forms. And I think it's really interesting, you know, what you were saying about friends as well. And did you find that people got self-conscious around you with their own drinking? Do you know what? I think I've been really lucky in my experience that people have been really supportive, but I know when I was drinking a lot that, I mean, I think I was one of the people that would be like, oh, you know, go on, have a drink, even if someone said that they didn't want to. It's hard to tell whether or not my, you know, me abstaining from alcohol made other people feel self-conscious but that's something that I found found really difficult about sobriety was I didn't want anyone to think that it was about them or anything that they had done or their lifestyle choices because there's no way that I would judge or ever be in a position to judge anyone it's really just about the individual person that's wanting to make a change for whatever reason that is and you know, as you say, it, you do all have this image of someone like, I don't know, on the streets drinking. And it's like, actually, alcoholism is real. And it's so normalized that people are probably like, this is kind of normal, isn't it? To have like, I don't know, say like a bottle or two of wine a night if we share it and we have it with dinner. And as a society and the alcohol industry, of course, has to take some, you know, that they, they, they chuck billions and billions of pounds in advertising. But as a society, we've got to take some responsibility for the fact that we are always pushing it in everyone's faces. Any occasion is marked by alcohol. And I can't really work out what came first, whether we as humans started doing that or whether the alcohol industry that's got billions and billions of pounds, oh, it's a birthday, have a drink. It's this, have a drink. I mean, I I didn't have anyone say, oh, that's making me feel really uncomfortable that you're not drinking, but I can certainly imagine that it was felt. So I always just tried my best to just, well, I didn't have to try. I was just myself. 
any kind of funny feelings people have about it, I think it does dissolve as they see you a couple of times sober. And it's just like, oh, they're, they're kind of just normal and they're just as they were. And, you know, I can still be silly. You know, people can still be silly and fun when they're sober. I think that helps when they see that like you're not this weird I don't know what I don't know what people think you're going to be like like some sort of weird robot that doesn't drink anymore and doesn't want to have any fun but it's not it's not the truth yeah (laughs) no I can definitely relate to that I I definitely know what you mean about how some friendships changed and evolved because Mm -hmm. of the lifestyle choice that I've made or whatever um, and it sounds like it was the same for you, but then it does settle down, doesn't it? And as as time goes on, they just get used to like, oh, that's that's you. I found I don't know if you found this, but I found it more difficult actually, not with my good friends, but with like colleagues and people that I knew quite well, but who weren't proper friends, and they would be a bit more like trying to get me to drink or insinuating that I wasn't being fun or I wasn't being part of the gang by having a drink. Definitely. I mean, you do just get used to it. It just becomes the normal life. But I'm always shocked. Like people are genuinely gobsmacked. Like so, so like you say, like more like acquaintances or colleagues or whatever. So I went round to a, a, some lovely friends of ours to their house for dinner. So it was two couples and us as a couple and then another couple that I hadn't met before. And it was such a lush night. Like we were just chatting, we'd had dinner and and those guys were drinking, but I wasn't drinking, but it wasn't even really a thing. And then one the guy, the guy from the couple was wanting to make this like drink. It was lager and some sort of spirit. And he was like, (laughs) oh my God, it tastes like Dr. Pepper. So I'm thinking, oh my God, like... That sounds rank, but okay. But anyway, he was—he was, he was so, there's such a there's such a lovely person, but he was just dead set on making everyone this drink, and I was like, oh no, I'm not that keen. You don't kind of have to launch into the story, so I was just like, I'm not really that keen. I think I'm going to give it a miss. And he was just like, what? He wasn't mean about it. He just genuinely could not believe that I didn't want to drink this like wild concoction of lager and whatever spirit it was it was just like what no surely like surely just one and I I just think it blew his I think it blew his mind that someone would just not want to do that it shows you know even this far into my journey with it like which is still a very fresh new journey you know some people have been sober for like 45 years or whatever but it's it shows how ingrained it is into our culture yeah sometimes it surprises you how much they are surprised that you wouldn't want to drink kind of thing. And it's funny, isn't it? And I'm also thinking about, it's funny when you meet people who then only know you as a sober person, because you kind of like, listen, honey, like, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Like, you don't, like, you don't need to, you know what I mean? But it's funny, but I'm, because I met my partner now, like after I stopped drinking and he's never in any way sort of pressured me to have a drink or anything like that. That's brilliant. And he's always, and he's, he's not a big drinker himself, which is interesting because I always dated drinkers before, not in a conscious way, but I think you just end up with people who are similar to you, but it's nice that he's somebody who has never, you know, he never gets wasted or anything. So that's that. But he was surprised though, when it was coming up to my 30th birthday and he asked me if I was going to have a drink and I said, well, no, I'm not. Because for me, it just, 
I don't know, even though it was my 30th birthday, by then I felt completely in control that I didn't feel like doing that to celebrate that moment. Do you know what I mean? If I had have done, I'm sure I would have had one. When I first went sober, there were one or two times when I maybe had a glass of champagne to join in with Christmas mm-hmm. or something when I did feel like it. But in that, I knew that I wasn't just, I just wasn't into it around that time. And he didn't say it in a, in a way that made me feel pressured or anything. He was just surprised that I wouldn't at least have one. And yeah. again, it just shows how ingrained it is and what saying no to alcohol means. Mm, totally. So weird. Yeah, it's that thing. It's like, oh, well, there's an occasion. So you will mark it with alcohol. <laughs> this occasion cannot pass without <laughs> alcohol. Definitely. And again, I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure where that came from, whether it was the alcohol industry or, or whether you know, we just started doing it as something fun because it can be really fun and then it just stuck. But it's literally everything. It's like, oh, you're sad, drink. You're happy, drink. And I think that that's when it gets dangerous, isn't it? Or that's when it, you know, it, it is at a dangerous point now because it's like, okay, so every single mood we drink. When do we give ourselves a break? When do we abstain and let our bodies just thrive naturally as they are? Um, But it's quite funny going back to what you said about, you know, when you like, listen, honey, you know, people like when I meet people now, I sort of think like, do they think I'm a square? Like, do they think I'm a bit of a like sober nerd? Yeah, totally. Just like, should we just dig up the archives and just like get the old pics out? Like us at Gatecrasher when we were like, I don't know. No, definitely, but by the same same token, if you then, I've found though, sometimes I'll say something like, oh yeah, I used to, I, you know, that time I was really wasted or, or I will mention it. And then people are a bit like, oh God, like, I don't know. I was talking about, I think I was talking about this work trip that I did a few years ago where we were drinking every night. So the hangovers just kind of like layered up on top of one another. Mm. And I think I said something like that to somebody and they kind of were a bit like, as if it, as if I'd, I'd admitted that I was one of those cartoon alcoholics. Do you know what I mean? It's like people are either like, they they can't imagine you just being normal. It's one or the other. You know, you're this square sober person. Yes. Or you're, There's so no weird. in between in people's minds, and like you know, and, and I found that as well as like new people that I meet. Oh, do they think that? And and it's also it's like I'm like oh do they think that I was like had a really bad problem which luckily you know I'm I'm grateful that I didn't have a really bad problem and you know I genuinely didn't feel that I was addicted to alcohol but I was definitely socially addicted to it and it and it, it it worked its way right into my life you know in in the kind of spot that it was um, but luckily I didn't have this terrible addiction but I I, I think people like you say they cannot. Some people cannot understand why you would abstain if it hadn't come to this, like, it's like, so what, we need to wait until we're like on the streets, having lost everything and addicted. That's the only time we should really like not drink. You know, it's like, that's what baffles me about the whole thing is like, when are we going to question what we've always done and just maybe change it on our heads and mix it up a little bit? 100%. It's interesting about how my twin brother quit and stuff like that, because I feel quite lucky in that my parents brought us up to be independent thinkers. You know, there's things that we do or we don't do in our family that other people just do. For example, like we grew up without a TV. And in the nineties, that was like a big deal. Like that's like not having the internet now. You know? That's like, huge. 
it was it was and we got that's really pretty great. radical <laughs> of it and like i hate at the time but now i'm really pleased because it's like it showed us that you know you don't have to do things just because everyone else does them and i think around alcohol there's definitely this idea that you do it because that's what you do because everyone does it do you know what i mean and, and, and i think that there's there comes a time in your life where you have to i think it's maybe part of growing up but I think everyone can benefit from a little bit of independent thinking and not just doing things just because everyone else does them. To you, to what extent is it about confidence? Is not drinking about confidence? Well, you've definitely got to, you know, delve deep and find your own confidence to be able to do it because it's big. It's big in a society that's obsessed with alcohol. It's definitely a bold move. Bold moves do require a certain amount of confidence. So certainly for me, I don't often come across as a shy person, but I can be really shy in, in, in certain situations. And I had convinced myself that alcohol had given me this kind of Dutch courage that I needed to be funny and be silly and be hilarious. Alcohol kind of tricks you into thinking that you need all these things to do all this stuff, and you really don't. Yeah, I think that it's something that grows with time as well. You know, certainly I felt super shaky, and again, like I said earlier, like really aware of a lot of stuff that was going on when I first went out, and it was quite overwhelming, but it was quite cool. It was like, oh, this is what it's like to just not be blind drunk when everyone else is. So it was like new, these new feels, which was cool. And then, like you say, people ask a lot of questions to begin with. And then when they see that you're just yourself, you know, good pals will be grateful to be hanging out regardless of, you know, whether you're drunk or not. And then as that starts to happen, the confidence just really grows, I think. As you're more confident in what you're doing, other people are just like, well, that's cool. They did that for them. And you know, that's a cool thing. And what about in other aspects of your life? Or rather, I'm thinking about not even just on a night out level, but on an everyday, ongoing, long-term level. Do you think taking alcohol out of your life or, you know, massively reducing the amount that you drink, has that affected your confidence in the long term, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Generally, it, it, I feel so much more calm without booze again because we're all at, well I was certainly in a, in a cycle with it I just thought the hangovers would go it started off with this kind of like one line which was I don't want to feel like this anymore which was when I was hungover you know quite quickly I realized that so much more came alongside not boozing than just not hangovers like it really does affect every other area of your life um so yeah, I just feel so calm. I know like we were texting earlier and I was just like, it's New Year's Eve and I feel so calm and just chilled and it feels really good. Like, you know, I think it's it's been a really turbulent year, but I do feel really grateful that I I personally haven't drank through it because I know I would just be feeling shaky and jittery and just, you know, drinking a lot made me just not really feel like myself so I think that kind of calmness has this huge ripple effect over everything that you do in life 
yeah because i think not boozing does require an, an an element of it does require a lot of confidence so then i do feel like i've been able to take that into other parts of my life which is super cool you know i didn't think that it would be this i knew it would be life changing i had a feeling it would be life changing because it's it's a big thing but i certainly don't think that i realized the true extent of like how just chilled i was going to feel chilled and not hung over man what a what a dream it totally is and what sort of makes me laugh is that when you are like big into parties and big into like going out and and getting wasted or whatever you you're chasing a kind of confidence aren't you mm-hmm. you're sort of doing this like you described it before as dutch courage like you know we're all familiar with that feeling but it's like you know that phrase getting high on your own supply which mm. I think it's about drug dealers taking their own drugs, but actually, <laughs> yeah. you get high on your own supply of like, yeah, totally. like you are the confidence you have. And this, this isn't meant to sound smug or anything. Cause it's more just like this incredible discovery that I feel like I made. And it sounds like you made as well, where you realize that you've actually, you, you had it in you the whole time. Totally. The alcohol was drowning it out. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, Alcohol is tricking us to thinking that we need it to become the best version of ourselves, but we know how to do that, really. I think deep down we know how to do it, and I think it's diff- it's hard sometimes. It requires some difficult self-work. It can sometimes require therapy, you know, journaling, really putting the work in and really, you know, getting to you know, digging deep to the soul, which I keep saying, but it does feel true. It's like, you know, that is, that's quite tough and challenging work sometimes. So I know certainly for me, it was much easier to ignore what I felt that I needed to do that was going to be hard and pick up a glass and just become a fun, fun version of myself and dance around and be a bit of an idiot, which, you know, was great a lot of the time you know, most of the time it was great, but it was preventing me from doing the work that I felt I really needed to do on myself. You know, that that digging deep, it requires a, a certain level of patience that I, I don't think I really had when I was drinking because my vision was a bit clouded by hangovers and, you know, when I was next going to go out boozing. So yeah, it brought a lot of clarity. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Future Heist. As an independent podcast, we rely on our listeners to grow. We have a brand new Patreon page where you can pledge a monthly donation which will help cover hosting and editing costs and help Future Heist to spread the word about activists and campaigners changing the world. How much you give is up to you. We suggest the price of a pint or a cup of coffee at your local each month. Find us at patreon.com forward slash future heist. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com forward slash future heist. And if you can't donate for whatever reason, please continue to enjoy the content totally free of charge. You might like to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social media, and share this episode with a friend who you think might like it. (laughs) 
You talk on your account about kind of self-acceptance. There was a post you made the other day, you're enough without alcohol. Something that people have said to me about um, drinking, and, and it's not something that they say often at all, but it has come up a couple of times. Somebody at work said to me, I don't like myself enough not to drink. And it kind of broke my heart when she said it because she is an amazing person and she shouldn't have that... She didn't want to face up to herself. Exactly. Have you experienced something like that in your journey of kind of self-acceptance and getting to know yourself? I mean, you were talking before about patience. Was that was that part of your journey and was it hard to learn? Oh, absolutely. And I think everyone has a bit of that. You know, that, that self-acceptance is hard. It's hard work sometimes when when we're younger, all sorts of different messages are, 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 are given to you. And that's when you're at the most susceptible age for drinking, I feel. So I, and, I, and I think that's definitely where I fell into it quite heavily was that I, I didn't really know who I was. You know, what, what am I going to do at uni? Who am I? You know, you've got all these huge questions thrown at you when you're young. Like, who, who are you going to be? I think it did spiral from that, that, that self-acceptance and not really knowing how to get to a place where I was comfortable just being who I was without alcohol. It's so strange because like when we're kids, kids have the best time ever, right? You know, like they're all just having a wicked time on like bouncy castles, doing fun stuff. Like, I don't know, like running through fields and just loving life. And it's like, actually like we've still got that in us. But suddenly when you get to a teenager, you're meant to become an adult and that means like you drink and you smoke cigarettes and you try and act really cool and it's like no I want to go back to being a kid and just doing the fun stuff for me ex like the, the self-acceptance that I've got now is realizing that actually there's a big kid still totally trapped in me that still wants to do loads of silly things like you know activities that are like silly and fun when you're not boozing you know, adulting is not necessarily being sat in a pub talking. That is that is a fun part of adulting sometimes. But for me, like accepting that a big part of like the kid that was in me had been sort of shut down and ignored by doing a lot of boozing. You know, you might feel a bit more calm when you drink, but it numbs so much out. For me, it numbed so much out of, of my personality that I'm grateful I've been able to let that shine through, you know, in sobriety. No, but I think it's true. And I think you, you touched on this earlier when you were talking about, you know, what, what came first? Was it people's desire to drink or was it people wanting to make money out of people's desire to drink? And yeah, I grew up at a time when alcohol companies were launching Alcopops or they had just launched Alcopops. Oh, man. A really cynical attempt by the drinks industry to monetize the drinking of very young people and I mean of course they would say oh we're targeting 18 year olds but I think everyone at the time knew that actually it was 13 year olds -olds and 14 year olds like us would be buying them and you know getting people to buy them for them and really kind of unethical side of it there where you're getting people who are actually underage and, and appealing to kids really and hooking them on early and I think we'll have to recognize for me we'll have to recognize that we live in a world where like big business is allowed to sort of rule people's lives and mm. exploit people Definitely. and people's kind of desires 
um, in order to make money. And it applies to so many products. I mean, I, that's what I really loved about your post, you know, you're enough without alcohol. Because actually we're enough without a lot of the products that we're told Absolutely. that we need. We are enough, you know, and it's quite a radical thing to, in today's world where we're sold things at every opportunity. I mean, you know, the amount of social media we consume, we see more adverts than any generation before us. You know, we're sold yeah. to all the time. So saying, actually, I'm enough without this, and especially a product which without mm -hmm. going into the, you know, we both had a great time with alcohol and I'm not saying that it's all evil at all, totally. but it is a substance which like causes a lot of harm to people and, and exactly really destroy people. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because it, we're, we're trying to get confidence from alcohol. Yeah. It can completely destroy your self-confidence and gets you trapped in a place where you feel like you really need it, but actually I didn't feel like I could go anywhere else other than just stay in this place where I'm just boozing and, you know, yeah, it goes back to saying that, you know, I didn't realize how much was sort of centered around alcohol and how freeing it would be stopping doing it. But yeah, um, you're so right. I mean, to, to, to feel, to be able to feel enough without anything that's being thrown at us in this you know, it's not just this day and age, really. It, it's been forever since advertising was invented, but certainly on Instagram now where we're seeing like, I don't know, is something like 200, if you scroll, it's like 200 images a minute or something. So our brains can't compute with this. We're not designed to see that many images. And certainly it, it is a bit worrying about all the like, the, the messages you're seeing and not really, it's subliminally, going into your mind, you know, like makeup and, you know, fillers and, you know, Botox and all the things that are really affecting the younger generation. Like everyone wants to look like a Snapchat filter and it, it is, it's, it's so scary, all of that. So I think definitely, I think if my account could empower someone to actually start to go on that journey where they think about themselves and what is it that they rely on to feel confident? And when, when I'd started to look at my crutches, so cigarettes are one of my crutches and alcohol was definitely a crutch. So were drugs. I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to do some pretty tough work here to get to the bottom of, you know, to really realize what these, what I felt these were bringing to my life and certainly what I was trying to mask and cover up that I didn't want to feel. And, and I think on Instagram, you know, social media has got its downsides, but I definitely think there's this wave of people on social media that are really taken back that power and just like they don't, they're not wearing makeup all the time. They're not done up all the time. And, and I think that all of the social media platforms, that's something really beautiful to come out of it. The kind of the big corporations behind them are pretty questionable questionable a lot of the time but and I think there's definitely a wave of people that are really realizing that yeah you know like we we are enough as we are and that's super cool you know I think social media has evolved a lot since I mean Instagram for one has evolved a lot since it first launched and I think more and more there's people who are setting up accounts like yours or who are putting out a much more consciously positive message and using it for social good rather than this kind of everyone posting selfies and trying to look like a certain ideal or you know 
um, it just being kind of this sort of advertising space. You know, I love your account. And I think that by posting up these stories, like you say, it, it I think it is the kind of thing that will inspire people. And I hope that with this podcast as well, somebody listens to it who is maybe curious about it or is thinking about it or maybe even previously thought, oh, I could never do that. Should definitely take away the idea that, that they can try it. The campaign Dry January um, was launched by Alcohol Change UK in 2013 when they think about 4,000 people took part. Apparently mm. this year, record numbers of people are wanting to take part in it. About six and a half million people. Wow, isn't that is so huge. cool? Which is huge. And it's up, it's even up from, so last year they think about um, four million people took part. So it's already even a big jump compared to last mm. year before you kind of launched Things I Did So. Because you obviously launched Things I Did So, but in the summertime, which is interesting because I quit drinking in the summer as well. Like, But had you ever tried Dry January before? I love that. I love that it's snowball. It's gone from like 4,000 to six and a half million. I think, I think it's brilliant. And I think, I think like it goes back to what we were just saying in the previous question. It's like, people are just starting to question stuff. That's what it comes down to. Oh, why have I always done this? And, you know, really looking at what serves them and what doesn't. And even if they just try it for a month, I think it's a brilliant reset. I think it's a good way to start the year with a clear head. So yeah, I'm all for dry, Jan dry January. I love it. And I love that, you know, I think it is great that people that even do go back to drinking in February, I just think it really gives them a taste of what sober lifestyle is like. And it's, it's brilliant. So for me, I had tried dry January before. I mean, I tried and failed a good few years, like, you know, really failed, like, as in like, I'm not going to drink. And then by the fourth was just fully on it. And then of course, my drinking mentality, it would be like, oh, well, I've fallen off the wagon now. I'm going to go extra hard in January and go like anti-dry January. You know, it was like, I don't know if I resented it. I just felt like I'd, I'd set these constraints in my mind that I wasn't the sort of person that would be able to do dry January, you know, or oh, that's for people that, I don't know. I just felt it wasn't for me. I'd made my mind up that it wasn't for me. And, and I think, you know, that alcohol has got a huge part to play in that. That's what it kind of does. It, it keeps you thinking that you're not a person that would ever be able to do it. Actually, two guys that I worked with at Kerrang, one guy was sober when he joined and I was just totally inspired by that. I mean, he's a really cool guy and I was just like, that's so cool. So I'd ask him a bit of questions about it. And then there was another guy that used to go, he used to do dry January and then just carry it on till like April and go dry for four months. And again, I was just like, what? I mean, like to me, that was like, it was just huge, you know, like this is coming from, and I'm sure you're the, you were the same, someone that hadn't actually been sober for a long stint since they were about 15, 14, 15 years old. I spent Christmas dry for the first time this year and realized that I hadn't been dry on Christmas day with no alcohol for 17 years. I was like, oh my, this is a long time. Yeah, I tried dry January and failed. So I would say to anyone that's tried and failed, that's totally normal. And if you're really interested in kind of dabbling with sobriety and learning more about it and getting more involved, just keep trying. 
you know don't don't stop trying to do it whether it's in january or whether it's later on down the line but i think january is that good reset time isn't it i mean i don't have any new year's resolutions actually but i think it's that time when it's like the indulgence of christmas and and new year you just kind of want to wipe the slate clean so i'm all for it i love it good old alcohol change i think it's brilliant (laughs) yeah i agree i think it's i think it's um I think it's really good and yeah like I say I think the first time I ever did sobriety was was with a dry January although I have to say I found it very hard and I do think mm. it's I, th- I think to anyone who struggled I do think it's a lot to do it in the middle of winter I have to say I know yes. we have thing where we have bleakest to- month of the year yeah because it's, it's so dark and miserable I do feel like if anybody's failed in January I'd encourage them to try again when it's a bit warmer and it's a bit more light like do you know what I mean you don't have to only do it in January because actually it's it's quite a tough slog isn't it do it in January but um well the stuff is fun because you can get outdoors and I feel like you can you can do stuff and it's like it's easier to not have a drink in your hand getting outdoors and walking and appreciating nature played a huge part in those definitely the earlier days when it was more of a struggle. I did really rely on nature to kind of come through and just make me feel a bit more chill. And it definitely did. So yeah, try it in the summer. Try it, you know, like just, just try it whenever. Like, like, you know, like I said, I think just, just don't give up trying if it's something that you really want to do. It wasn't like one day you just said, right, I'm never drinking again. And then you never had a drink after that. Mm -hmm. It's been a journey and it's been a process. For you, to what extent do we have to be careful with perfectionism? Because I feel that in the wellness community and, you know, within the actual community, but also what people think about the community is that they think, oh, if you're not doing it perfectly, what's the point of even trying? It's almost worse to get it wrong than to than to just not bother do you know what I mean whereas you know to what extent is it about finding your own path with it oh that that resonates so much and I think earlier when we were talking about starting the account I can't remember whether it was when we were recording or not but um I was saying that I definitely felt some apprehension to post to to create the account and I've actually had some kind of like months off here and there on the account and the reason being is because that originally when I'd started it I'd felt like what will the sober community think if I'm gonna just break this and, and want to have a glass for a wedding or, or this or that so there was definitely some a, a worry from my side you know well I'm gonna have to be completely sober now because I've done this and, and that was more about me really than other people but definitely everyone's feeling that yeah it's this level of perfectionism that's just crazy i look at some accounts and i'm like you must be killing yourself to to hold that up you know to create that much content but it's great i love all the content and you know they're doing them and good for them and people seem happy but it's like you know that this level of perfectionism that we have to feel that we feel we have to withhold i think it's about finding what's right for you you know every every individual has different needs and they have different triggers and different things that work for them so for me i have got to a place where i feel that i c- 
could drink for one night and then I would literally, I just wouldn't drink again for like another four, six months and I'll be cool with that. But it's like you said, it is getting to a stage with me where I'm like, do I really want to anymore? But the desire to, to do it does fade away. The more you do it, you just, you just crave it less. And, and, and that's another thing that I would say to people is it does get much easier. It suddenly just becomes the norm. And you couldn't, you don't crave an ice cold beer on a sunny day. You want a like nice lime soda. And, you know, even if someone listening can't ever imagine getting to that stage, like you will, because I mean, I did, and I'm sure you have done the same. Yeah. It's just about finding what works for you. For me, I didn't ever want to hold myself to, I will never drink again because I didn't feel that I needed to do that. It's, it's really that simple as that. I didn't feel I needed to do it. So it would just be like, I will drink if I want to. And actually what I've found is that that's very little now, you know, it, 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 it's once in a blue moon. So yeah, it's just about finding what works for you. If it's like every other, you want to do it every other weekend, whereas you were doing it every weekend, just start small with these things and it spirals and then you, you get into your groove, don't you? No, definitely. And actually it's, it's funny because when I started, I only quit for a month and then it just sort of spiraled and it, it just sort of evolved. And like you say, I, I decided to just, I, I decided to start drinking again when I wanted to, but that day never came, you know, it just yeah. it became like, this is my life now. And, and like you, I think I was quite scared of that idea. You may never have a drink again. I found that really scary. You mentioned earlier, and I totally agree with this, that you would have found lockdown really hard if you had been drinking. It would have been a completely different experience. Mm. Did it, if, did lockdown affect your sobriety at all? Or were you already, did you already feel quite comfortable and established in your routine? Yeah, I think, I mean, it would have been a totally different ball game had I been drinking it didn't kind of shake my sobriety that much I, I feel the hard work was over the last couple of years really and now I feel in a good place with it and it feels really good to be able to say this you know for now because things can change but I just don't turn to alcohol when times are difficult anymore whereas I used to I used to have a hard day and go out for a few and that was how I coped with it. Or I'd be like, well, we'll have a big weekend. You know, I need this big weekend because X, Y, Z. Because I know how hard it's been for people over lockdown. I think people have, a lot of, a lot of my friends have been quite open and honest about it. And just been like, well, we were just cracking open the wine at like 3 p.m. Because we weren't in the office. Some, or we were on furlough or whatever. Yeah, I hope they weren't cracking open the wine at 3 p.m. when they were like on Zooms. I bet people have been doing that though. But yeah, it, it just, the, the boundaries just got a bit blurred, I think, when everyone was at home and it just felt like, well, not, nothing's normal. So I'll just kind of drink my way through it. So I do feel lucky that I wasn't in that headspace because I think it's difficult. You know, it's been like nine, 10 months now, hasn't it, that we've been at home. And I think it's quite hard to shake those habits once they kind of, they feel a bit set there. I think I might have drank, I think I might have had a gin and tonic on 
you know, when we went through the quiz phase of Zooms, that was cute, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I think I had a gin and tonic. I mean, honestly, I can't even remember. It must have been like, because I'm used to it and I'm sure you're the same. You're just totally used to not drinking. I'm like, I'm quite shocked that I've only had one drink, but I just don't really think about it anymore. It's just the norm. Oh, honestly, what I couldn't get over as well is how, how many other things it changes in your life. Do you know what I mean? Because I really feel like it's a, there's a mark in my life between before and after that decision. You know, as I said before, was not one decision that I made on one day. It sort of evolved over a couple of months. But somebody was asking me the other day about what skincare products I use. And I, I listed them off and they were like, oh, that's actually quite a lot. And I was like, do you know what? I never used to wash my face. Basically, I used to be really bad at taking my makeup off. I used to never yeah. take my makeup off. And to be honest, I'd be very lucky if I managed to brush my teeth before I went to bed because Same. I had quite bad habits. But when I stopped drinking, that was one of the things that I just had the headspace for. And it just, and it's just built up from there. So now I've got this like eight step skincare routine <laughs> I have to do every night. And I'm just, I love that. I'd rather come this person. Yeah, it, it creates room, doesn't it? I really feel it created room for me to become the sort of person that I'd wanted to be, perhaps, that I couldn't. You know, and, and that sounds quite like deep and profound, but it's kind of true. Like that's kind of waiting on the other side of a more sober lifestyle, I would say, is like you're going to be presented with a lot of time, depending on how heavy you drink. You know, if, if you're not a heavy drinker, you're just going to maybe not have a hangover every now and again. But if you're a heavy drinker, it's just going to create this room in your life for whatever you want to put there and what you want to focus on. And like you say, it could be the eight step skincare routine that's waiting, or it could be something, you know, totally different. It's just like, it creates this amazing room, I think, for you to just be, be something different or, or be more of what you want it to be, whatever that is. No, definitely. It's it's the single biggest thing that like changed my life, definitely. If people have been struggling under lockdown, you know, I, I mean, I don't believe in only resetting at this time of year. As I said before, I think you can reset anytime you want. But mm -hmm. I think like if people are curious about it, just take a chance and like and reset now and see what happens. Because I'm sure that now that we are at home more, that extra time and that extra energy is going to like be really helpful for people basically. Yeah. I love that. Take a chance on a more of a sober lifestyle and, and see how you feel really just start to notice your energy levels and your thoughts and kind of let it come through and, and, and see what happens. And you, you're right. I mean, we, we need energy more than ever. Let's be real. Whatever, we, whatever we're going to face in 2021, you know, having plenty of energy and being fit and healthy is more important than it's ever been considering, you know, there's a global pandemic. Yeah. Just, just go for it. I would say if you're thinking about it, just go for it. There's lots of content online there's a huge sober community on instagram certainly i'm sure it's the same on facebook although i'm not on that platform as much and read some quit literature that really helped me is like read the books and you know a lot of people have kind of paved the way and had their journeys that you can read about and it really helps <laughs> Thank you.
how can people find your account? How can people support what you do? Well, I live on Instagram. So that's the main platform that I'm on. And the, the handle is at things I did sober. So you can find me there. Can you name any like single book or a couple of books or films or documentaries or anything that really inspired you in your journey that people can check out? Oh my God, yes. So my favorite book is by Catherine Gray and it's called The Joyful Art of Being Sober. I mean, it changed my life. It changed the way I viewed sober, a sober lifestyle. And I really resonated with a lot of Catherine's story because she was working in London and going to all the free parties that I'm sure you did when you first moved to London. You know, there's free booze everywhere you turn. And I, it, the story really resonated with me and certainly how much alcohol I was drinking at one point. And that reading that book really made me see that there's, there's a big kid trapped in us that wants to kind of break free and just do some fun stuff. And it just made me realize, see, she made me realize that there was a world kind of waiting out there without alcohol that I hadn't, I hadn't seen. Cause I'd had my, um, you know, it had just been clouded by alcohol and, bad decisions so definitely check out Catherine Gray because she's amazing and she also does I think she does the joyful art of being single and there's a cut she's got a couple of other books that I've heard are all incredible Bryony Gordon is a great one she's got a new book out about her sobriety and Holly Whitaker has got a book I can't remember the name but they're all great yeah, there's loads and there's loads of sober accounts. I do really feel like that's really helped me on my, in my, you know, just reading other people's accounts and being like, yes, I totally agree with that. It really helps to know that you're not alone in your thinking or um, the way you're feeling about your drinking. I guess I don't really follow any other sober accounts apart from yours, but I definitely had that experience reading your posts, even though I'd um, started on my journey a little bit before you I guess or uh, certainly before you, you started publishing on Instagram about it but definitely you were one of my ins sober inspirations <laughs> you well, were I remember we met in we because it was one of our friends birthdays and we met and we, you know everyone was having cocktails and you were like yeah I'm just not drinking for a bit you know like you were keeping it casual and it was really good. Like that was inspirational in itself. It wasn't like, well, I'm never going to drink again. You were just like, yeah, I'm not drinking. And I was just, can you remember I was asking loads of questions? I was just like, okay, so, you know, blah, 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 blah. And asking yeah. you about it. Cause I just couldn't, it just couldn't, it, it, it was so, it was a new concept to me. Oh, people just don't drink cause they just don't fancy it. What is this mad? <laughs> you know, what yeah. is this happening? And it because it was December as as well, so again, sort of that the heavy booze days. So it was you know going out and yeah doing all that stuff. But what I really but and it but it's interesting because I I've always been very conscious not to make anyone feel uncomfortable about my sobriety, if that makes sense. So Definitely. I've always tried to be very careful about not appearing smug or anything and I think that I've maybe taken that too far in that this podcast is the first time really that I'm properly talking about sobriety with somebody whereas what I really loved about your account was that you then put into words a lot of the things that I've been thinking in private but put it out there into the world 
for other people to be inspired by. So I think it's really great. Thank good. you so much. I'm very flattered that I'm the um, only sober account that you've chosen to follow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're talking about it as well. And I'm, I'm so glad we can both sit here and, you know, discuss it in an, an open way. That I, I really like. You say I really hope it doesn't come across as um, judgmental or, or smug. It, you know, it's, I'm none of that and neither are you. It, it, it's not about that. It's just about, it's kind of about self-growth and self-acceptance and just taking that first step to do something that's different to what you've always known. That's kind of it, isn't it? No, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we could have this chat. I think it's, it's really cool and I, and I hope it's resonated with even if it's resonated with one person, I think it's great. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. The books Katie recommends are The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray, Glorious Rock Bottom by Bryony Gordon, and Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. You can find details in the show notes. And please remember to avoid Amazon and support your local bookshop. If you want to know why, we recommend watching Ken Loach's film, Sorry We Missed You. And have you got any final words to people who are thinking about making a start? You know, I, I hope that kind of listening to me and you talk about it really gives people a more well-rounded view of what it means to stop drinking, even if it's for a short amount of time. I would say that you'll surprise yourself with how much it'll affect your life by cutting back on alcohol because it, it really is life-changing and you'll probably really surprise yourself by how strong you are and how you know once you get in the flow of it how much easier it becomes and how much stronger and confident you feel so I would say start small with 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 a small win do something sober that you wouldn't have done sober previously watch it snowball and, and see how you feel and, and, you know, let it grow from there and just go for it if you're thinking about it because life's really short, isn't it? It's too short to spend time over all the time, I would say. Wise words to end. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for your time today. Ah, uh, Rena, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Future Heist is recorded and produced by me, Rena Neve-Smith, with original music by Benjamin Tassi, artwork by Fleur Beck. Ben Weaver-Hinks is our podcast consultant. You can find original illustrations for Future Heist by Charlotte Rose Watts on social media. Follow us at future underscore heist on Instagram and Twitter or Future Heist Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. You can find a transcript for this episode on renathejournalist.com forward slash podcast. Special thanks to Chloe Vasegi. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.